I want you to stand with me. Uh, we've been teaching, I've been teaching, with the exception when I was away the last few weeks, from, Psalm, from the Psalms, and um, I was in Psalm 42, 43. I was going to do it on a Wednesday night, but I thought it would be fitting to do it on a Sunday morning here. Uh, when you're hurting. Do we have any people who are hurting? And are there people here today who never hurt? Could I eat what you're eating and drink what you're drinking? What pills are you taking? <laughs> Kipling. Uh, some of you remember Jungle Book. Kipling said, life can be a painful thing, and it can be. So Psalm 42, and as I come to Psalm 42, do you realize that most of David's psalms, I would bet you it's, it's half of them, were written when he was in conflict. You see that over and over again. And here's a, a psalm where he's in conflict. So Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and at night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones my enemies reproach me? While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Have you ever been there? Some of you might be there today. This is a lesson for those because... Whether you're there today or you were there yesterday, I guarantee if you live this life, you'll be there again tomorrow. And that's just kind of the way it goes. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and minds to your word, Lord God, and we pray, Lord God, today because, Lord, you will come, as you always do, faithfully, with remedies and solutions to our issues and our problems, to our downcast spirits. And you will lift us up, Lord God, because you are the lifter of our heads. And Lord God, I pray that you'd minister to each and every one of us today as we sit at your feet in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a, a couple of verses from the uh, New Testament. John sixteen thirty three. these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Right? Jesus never... You know, he just never mixed words. He never pulled punches. Reality is we will all have tribulation. In Acts chapter 14, 22, strengthen the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must, through many tribulations, 
enter the kingdom of God. So we, we are right now, I think, I, I think, I think we're coming out of COVID. I think. Because if you listen to the politicians and a lot of the media, it's like they want to put us back into it. And I'm not quite sure that has anything to do with, uh, with truth and science and medicine. But, um, hey, COVID, just studies that are, are coming out, people experienced anger, frustration, anxiety, fear, depression, worry, hatred. I mean, you look at some of the things that have gone on, you know, you look at like, what goes on on airplanes, but people have really been, it seems like, deranged by, you know, by this whole COVID thing. Some of us have been touched by the sickness. We've been touched by the death of loved ones, by the sickness of loved ones, being shut in, being isolated, uh, having to wear masks. I mean, the kids experiencing depression and anxiety disorders from, you know, this whole isolation thing. We were never meant to live in isolation from other human beings. The wearing of the mask itself is incredibly dehumanizing. And I'm not saying here, some of you have masks on this morning, I'm not saying you shouldn't wear your mask, but it, I mean, it just is really dehumanizing. And again, and the media, you know, continues to propagate fear. They continue to cause stress. And um, it's just, we're coming through some really crazy, crazy stuff. So I think we're, this message for what we're coming through with COVID, I think, again, it's fitting. So here, again, David here says... And I want you to notice, he says it three times. Um, He says it twice in Psalm 42, once in Psalm 43. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and disquieted within me? Here is David. David is, you know, he's the man after God's own heart. David was a warrior. He was was the greatest warrior of of God. He was a man who was a giant killer. He, He was a man of incredible courage a man of of incredible boldness, incredible strength. And here, he's discouraged. He's depressed. He's hurting. He's downcast. And and notice, he's trying to figure out why. You ever been downcast and you can't figure out why? Why am I hurting? Why, Why did I wake up this morning and, you know, just have this cloud you know, over me? Why am I depressed? Why am I frustrated? Why am I angry? Why am I anxious? And he's asking that question. Now, the the Word of God tells us that we are a tripartite, (laughs) okay, in our natures. We are essentially triune in our natures. It's a triunity of body, soul, and spirit tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So sometimes when we're, when we're downcast, I think it's important to, to stop and diagnose, you know, maybe where that frustration or depression or anxiety is actually coming from. Do a little diagnosis of it. So I, wanted, I just want to just do a little diagnosis with you for a moment. 
and then I'll come back, and I really want to get into the actual remedy of the psalm. So the first thing is the body, right? This magnificent work of art, (laughs) this magnificent machine uh, of complexity, of systems that somehow magically works together to produce life. And this thing that we call a body can be affected by numerous things that can cause depression, anxiety, fear, worry, frustration. For instance, food. This is a great, a great diagram that really kind of demonstrates, if you look, I mean, I know all the foods we love, right? <laughs> and look at where the rocket is going. And then you look here, right? I mean, I have to say this. These are all foods I, I personally love. I love fruits. I love vegetables. I eat about 10 servings a day, and I do really do enjoy them, believe it or not. But um, just sugar alone. And you can take, you take the whites, the white sugar, White flour, white rice. I don't know if you ever realize this, that white sugar, okay, immediately causes this super high rise in blood sugar levels. And then for the body to compensate, it uh, secretes um, insulin from the pancreas, which then drives down that uh, glucose level um, and can really make you crash into a depression. Let me just say this, white flour and white rice is turned into glucose about as quickly as glucose, right, goes into the bloodstream. It's, it's really kind of an a, a amazing thing. So just, just infusing our bodies, and again, Americans, the, the reason Americans are overweight is because we take in too many refined carbohydrates. That's the main issue. It's not the, it's not the fat. So stay away from fatty foods. It's not the fatty foods. It's that we consume way too much, you know, I mean, sugar, and you know, and, and you know, cake and cookies and breads and and again, so we have this rise in our blood sugar. And then when that insulin comes in, um, it could depress you. Right? Have you ever had a food hangover? I was just on vacation. I I, I become sensitive to realizing this that you know you go out and eat a dessert, and then we go out and have ice cream after the dessert, <clears throat> and then we have some cookies when we come home after eating the ice cream. And the next morning you wake up and you feel like crap. And it's, it's not that God has left you. There's no spiritual reason, okay, other than maybe I was being a glutton. About 20 years ago, a woman from the neighborhood, a young girl living with her parents, was brought to me by one of the deacons in the church, and they said she's demon-possessed. Okay, she said she was demon-possessed. And so I, I sat with her, and I, I did a diagnosis, and I wanted to look at a spiritual life and asked her a question. She had a relationship with Jesus. She was walking with Jesus. She was really into the Word. There was no, you know, she wasn't, there was no major sin in her life. I talked to her about any, any doors that might have been opened from her past into the occult, and there was basically nothing there. And then I, I started asking her questions about her, her, you know, her mind and what she was thinking about, what she'd focus on, what, what she was allowing into her life. And again, she's really a good kid, you know, really just focused on, on just growing and her education. And she, she wanted to be a nurse, and she was in nursing school. But she's experiencing this, this depression. So then I asked her, what are you eating? What's your diet like? 
And she said, I, I eat a pizza and a liter of Dr. Pepper every day. Every day. Seven days a week. 30 days a month. A, a liter of, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And she, she, she was starting nursing school, but she didn't understand. I don't know how much nursing school they actually get into education with you. But um, she didn't understand that this was having a profound effect upon her blood sugar levels and her insulin levels. And um, we got her on a, a healthy, nutritious plan. And she started eating, I mean, it was like oatmeal in the morning with some fruit. And it was a, like a healthy sandwich with like some vegetables in the afternoon and at dinner, you know, a portion of, of protein with, with some vegetables, fresh vegetables. And, and she started eating well. And after about seven days, the depression left her, the demons left. I cast them out. <laughs> now she grows up and she eventually gets married and she lives in the neighborhood. And... Um, when she would see me, she'd be wheeling her, her kid in, in his uh, wheel, in, in, in his um, carriage. She'd come up to me and she'd call me the miracle worker. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the situation. And the effect that, I mean, I love that picture, the, the, the skull and crossbones, because that's about what that's going to get. And look, I love pizza. I love pizza. I eat pizza once, maybe twice a month. I make my own pizza. I love it. But not every day, not every week, right? And I don't drink soda. It's just, soda's like the worst thing in the world. It's like the worst thing in the world for you. And if you're, your kids, I'll just say this to you. If you think I'm going to take my kid of, off of uh, soda and I'm going to give them uh, refined juice, you know, the refined juice that is in the store that's not refrigerated and, uh, or, you know, it's pasteurized, that has the same effect on their blood sugar levels too. So when you give them that, that apple juice or that grape juice, they're flying off the wall and they're running all over the place like, you know, they're on drugs. It is a drug. Another, another thing that affects us is, is exercise. Just movement, Right? Movement has a profound effect upon our brains. And movement causes the release of neurotransmitters like serotonin or dopamine. And serotonin has a, a tremendous calming effect. Dopamine has an effect of, of energizing us. And then the release of endorphins. I'll tell you, my, my biggest high in my life, and you got me, you got me this morning after it because I, I basically ran this morning for about an hour and 15 minutes, is I get such a high of dopamine and um, endorphins after a workout, it just kind of carries me through the day. But a lack of exercise being sedentary, I'll tell you something, they're telling us now, sitting, as far as creating illnesses, uh, lifestyle illnesses, sitting is the equivalent of smoking. And I've read that, I've read that a number of times in articles. So, you know, just the lack of exercise has a profound effect. Sleep, a lack of sleep. I mean, have, how, what happens to you when you don't get a lot of sleep? Do you get irritable? Or am I the only one who gets irritable? Right? A little irritable, right? You're just kind of... Like, it's like when I'm all rested and I'm feeling good, you come up to me and hit me over the head with a two-by-four, and I love you, man. <laughs> but when I'm not getting enough rest, you can flick a toothpick at me and I'm ready to rip your face off. I mean, you become forgetful. You become anxious, uh, you become frustrated, you become angry so easily. And then sickness, illness. Illness has a 
profound effect upon our minds. And some of you, you know, when you, you know, you maybe had COVID or you get the flu or you get a cold, you know what that does to your, you know, your attitudes. You just get discouraged, you get depressed so, so, so easily. And that's because there is this thing that connects the brain with the body. And uh, I want you really have to think kind of deeply about this. Um, I'm going to get deep with you right here. But there's this thing that connects the brain with the body. Do you know what it is? My wife knows what it is. Do you know what it is? It's called your neck. <laughs> inside, inside that neck, right, there's all these blood vessels. There's your spinal column and all these nerves. And uh, when things are not going right down here, it has an effect on what's happening up here. I just think, I, I, I said it to you because I think it's important because in, in working with people and counseling people, and in church now for 40 years, I've had many people come to me at times, and again, they're, they're thinking it's a spiritual reason, and a lot of the times, it has to do with their bodies. The food they're eating, maybe their lack of exercise, the lack of sleep, and um, it's important to realize that in diagnosing. Okay, number two here is the soul. So the, the soul meaning our psyche, and sometimes soul is translated psyche, though uh, the soul in scripture, I mean, there's about eight different Greek words that are used to describe the inner man. So we have things like, like cardia, and uh, again, psyche, uh, the phonemia, they're all different words that are used. So talking here about the mind, our, our thoughts, our emotions, again, this, this thing, this magnificent computer, this magnificent biocomputer, carbon computer that God has placed upon our, soul, uh, our shoulders, this, this really magnificent thing, our thoughts, our emotions, right, can really determine, right, the way that we feel. So in uh, Psalm 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. He says, eat, drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. This is a picture of a man. He throws a party, and um, people are coming, and they're eating all his food and drinking all his drink, but he says, oh, eat, drink, and be merry, but inside, he's like, man, look at how much food that person, look at how much drink that person just drank. And so it says just what's going on on the inside is the true person. So I want to give you, I want to give you a, little, a little formula here. Some of you, you know, I've, I've taught this to you before. It's, it's T equals E times R equals A. So the T are your thoughts. The E are your emotions. Your thoughts will always produce a corresponding emotion, right? Think happy thoughts right now, and you'll feel good. Think unhappy, think unhappy thoughts, and you can make yourself feel pretty bad, Think thoughts about maybe something that someone has done to you that made you angry. You'll, you'll have emotions of anger. So your, your thoughts equal your emotions. Now you multiply that times repetition. So your most consistent thoughts, okay, that are producing your most consistent emotions times repetition equals A. What is A? 
Yeah, it's your attitude. And that could be positive or negative. That could be empowering or disempowering. That could be joy or misery, chaos or peace, love or hatred. Once, once those attitudes are formed and forged, they're hard to break, right? Don't you find that's true? There's a... Um, and these signs, if you get up into the northern country of Canada, Montana, uh, Maine, the northern parts of Washington, you get, you get 11 months of winter, freezing, and one month of summer where everything melts. So what happens is they have these signs, choose your ruts carefully, you'll be in them for the next 40 miles. And that's true. Once, you get, once those ruts are forged... Then, I mean, you're in that rut for the next 40 miles. You're, uh, those ruts are uh, they're essentially forged for the next, um, you know, 11 months. And I'll tell you, you can, you can take that and you can apply it to an attitude. Choose your attitudes carefully because you'll be in them for the next 40 years. And that's, uh, and that's the truth. It's easier to develop, a, a, you know, some of the young people here, you want to develop healthy attitudes now. Develop them now. Talk to older people who have developed and forged some really negative attitudes, worry. They, they develop you know, anxiety attitudes, you know, depression attitudes. And to not have that happen, of course, when you're young, if you develop those positive attitudes now of, of faith, of joy, of peace, as success attitudes for your career... It's going gonna, it's gonna to take you, take you a long way. Literally, those attitudes will carry you to great places. Charles Swindoll, great preacher, he says, only you can determine your choice of attitude. Choose wisely, choose carefully, choose confidently. You really do have to choose because once you start on those thoughts and those emotions through repetition, you start to build those neurons, neuroplasticity, and if you look here, what, what is neuroplasticity? When you're thinking the same thoughts over and over and over and over again, these neurons become thicker and thicker and thicker. And what they basically looks like, and this is a good picture of an infant neuron and a mature neuron. I don't know how many of you realize you were going to get a, um, you know, a, a study in, uh, in the brain today by somebody who, who doesn't really know all that much about it. But right? I'm not a, a neuroscientist, but I've learned a little bit from it. But... Just an infant neuron. Once, once you develop those mature neurons over and over and over again, right, they're really hard to break. So people, people just, they have, you know, just rooted attitudes of anger, of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of misery. They just, you know, they, they forge it. They, psychologists tell us today that 85% of the average person's thinking is either negative or aimless. 85%. So you just start to understand the scriptures when we are exhorted in many places in scripture, Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think upon those things. 2 Corinthians 10.5, 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, the battle for the mind. Every day, folks, whether you like it or not, you are a warrior. And you're in a battle every day. And most of the time, that battle is occurring between your ears. But it's a battle for the mind. And Satan's right there, continuously trying to put garbage into our minds. Okay, number three, the spirit. Man is a body, he is a soul, and he's a spirit. What is the spirit of man? The spirit of man is that part of him that connects him with God. It is the spiritual part of us that enables us to know God, to commune with God, to worship God, to love God, and ultimately to be loved by God. And it is the spirit of man that makes us different than the animals. And I will believe that animals have spirits when I see the squirrels and the chipmunks in my yard gather together on the Lord's Day and lift up their pause and worship the Lord, right? Just what makes us different. I actually believe animals obviously have a body. I also believe animals have an animal soul, but they don't have a spirit. When we come to Jesus, our spirit, which is dormant, comes alive. So to be born again, to be born of the spirit, we become alive to God. Before, before I was born of the spirit, I had no interest in God. I didn't want to be bothered with God. I didn't want to be bothered with church. I could care less about hearing his word. But when I opened my heart to Jesus and the spirit of God came into me, I became extremely interested in the things of God. So David's issue in Psalm 43, though he had other issues in some of the other Psalms, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, but here David... He, He's longing for God as the deer pants for the water bricks, so my soul pants for you, O God. Most of us know Psalm 42 from that verse. The deer, right, as the deer pants, we sing the song about it. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? So he's feeling separated from God. And he's longing for the experience of his presence. He's hungering and thirsting for the presence of God. Have you ever been there? In Isaiah 59.2, and we have a number of reasons why this happens, and the most common, which I don't believe is David's issue in Psalm 42, Isaiah 59.2 says, But your inequities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. The unrepented sin can cause us to experience that separation from God. Right? We're not dealing with it. We're not, we're not bringing it to him. We're not confessing it. We're not repenting from it. And uh, kind of living carelessly, foolishly. And you could be in church... And not experience God. You could be in the Word and, and be reading it and not experience God. You could be praying and, and God, I mean, it's almost like praying like the tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee, right, he was, he was praying to himself. So sin, sin is a, a big issue. And that's why it's, it's, it's important that we, we, we repent. We keep ourselves in a place where we are, we are confessing and repenting and seeking to turn away from our sins on a daily basis to keep that, that channel open between us and God. 
Another, another reason why at times we lose that experience of his presence, I don't know if you've ever heard, there's been some great books written by some really great Christian mystics called The, the Dark Night of the Soul. Diane, have you ever heard of that? Diane reads the deep books. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. That is, that is what God is seeking to, to basically build into every one of our lives, that we would, we would walk by faith, not by sight, walk by faith, not by feelings. Because sometimes feelings become our God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so good. That's God. And what God will do is God will withdraw that awareness of his presence. Not that he's abandoned us, but he will withdraw that awareness of his presence to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight, not by emotions. Because, you see, if you're not sensing the presence of God as a Christian, does that mean that God has deserted you? No. No. If, if you're not experiencing the peace of God, does that mean again that, that God has, has removed himself from you? Or you're not experiencing that, that love? Sometimes God just is pouring out, right? He's, at times in my life, I, I don't know who said it, but I, I've had the experience where it's like liquid love. Waves of liquid love were flowing over my soul for hours in communion with him. And then suddenly it's, it's gone. Does that mean that, that God has withdrawn from loving me? Do you understand? He wants to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. He's there with us at the gravesite. He's there with us in the birthing room. He's there with us at the funeral. He's there with us in the times of great victory. And he wants to teach us that, you know what, even though you're not feeling, because I am not your emotions. I am far greater than your emotions. And he, he wants to teach us just simply live by faith. If you want to get into this, this is a great, a great book, The Dark Night of the Soul, St. John of the Cross. Diane, you've read it, right? Has anybody else in this room read it? Nope. I, it's a great book to read. There's one other, one other cause, I believe, at times where we will experience that, that lack of, of God's presence. And that could be from Satan. He will, he will attack, right? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is the um, joy stealer, right? He is a thief. And he will come and he will try to steal away your joy. He will try to steal away that awareness of the presence of God. Then we can, we can again, we can fall into a, a depression, into a discouragement with that. So, again, three things, three possible causes. And, again, coming back to, to David, why? He's saying, why? Why are you downcast? Why are, are you cast down on my soul? Why, why, why? And just, again, to look at David and his diagnosis here, I believe it's coming because of the enemy. So, in verse 9 and 10 of Psalm 42, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with a breaking of my bones? My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Notice it's, it's the oppression of the enemy. I believe that behind 
the actual persecution, David experienced a lot of, I mean, he was on, man, he was on the run most of his life. He had people looking to hurt him and to kill him. I mean, you know, King Saul, people in his own family, sometimes his own men. And he, he's experiencing it, but behind all of that is Satan, is the enemy. And I think that, that the enemy has basically caused David to be in this place where he's saying, God, where are you? I'm not, I'm not sensing your presence. Where are you? So, the remedy. Would you want me to give you the remedy or you want to go home? I bring you right to this place, right? I'm ready. You're right at the pit. Okay, I've been there. I'm there right now. It's here. The rem, the rem, the scripture, and the scripture always gives us this. So the first thing, remember. So David here, he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a, a, a pilgrim feast. He's remembering going with the multitude up to the house of God. Remember what that was like? Because I think he, he has forgotten this. And then he says, why are you cast down on myself? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. Oh, uh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. I'm, I'm going to remember, remember, right? What happens when we remember? Which way are we looking, forward or back? Right. Remember first things. Sometimes people come to me in counseling and they're saying, I've lost the joy of the Lord. I said, you once had it though. Yeah, yeah. But I've lost it. And you know, sometimes in ministry, it's easy to lose it. Because you're dealing continuously, you're dealing continuously with, with people's problems. And you know, just as I say as a pastor, really does somebody call me up and say, let me tell you how great everything is. It's usually like, hey pastor, I have a problem. And you deal with that. You're dealing with issues. You're dealing with problems. And sometimes, again, you, 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 it, it can wear on you. You start to lose sight. You start to lose sight of, of the Lord. And just think about, remember. Remember what it was when you first came to Jesus. Right? You remember, I came to Jesus in January, and I could tell you the grass was green, the sky was blue, the flowers were blooming, and the trees had leaves, green leaves all over them. But it was January. Just when God came into my life, there was such joy. Remember. Remember those, those times. Remember those high times. Remember those times of, of victory. Remember those times of just intimate communion with him. The first church in Revelation of the seven churches is the church of Ephesus. And um, they had forsaken their first love. And it says this in verse 4 of chapter 2. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. In other words, go do what you were doing at the beginning. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Remember, remember what it was like, right, at the beginning. Remember what it was like when you were filled with that, that joy, when you were filled with the Spirit. What were you doing then that you're not doing now? Isaiah 
61.3, it tells us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In Psalm 42.41, David writes, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. Praise is, is a garment. Praise is a, is a garment that covers and really removes that, that spirit of, of heaviness. Praising God for his goodness. Do you praise God every day for his goodness? It will, it will develop this, this attitude of praise, this attitude of thanksgiving. I, I read out a prayer of thanksgiving every morning to the Lord, but of late I read Psalm 52.1 a few weeks ago, and in Psalm 51 he says, I will praise you for your goodness. And I stopped and I said, Lord, What are all the good things? What are all the good things that have come to me from God? And I, I just, I started to, to just, and I've been writing this every, every day since. God's good son, his good spirit, his good word, his good blood, his good sacrifice, his good forgiveness, his good grace, his good mercy, his good comfort, his good peace, his good joy. He's given me a good family. He's given me a good wife. He's given me good children. He's given me good grandchildren. He's given me a good church. He's given me good health and healings, good healings over and over again. And I go good in the good and stop. And when you do that, man, it has this this powerful effect of just lifting the heaviness and covering you with a garment of peace. So, key thing, right? Key thing. Praise him. Praise him in your time when you're downcast. Second, go deep. It tells us that deep calls unto deep. You read read this psalm and it starts off, as the deer pants for streams of living water. It's kind of gentle. It's kind of soft. And then he starts talking. Notice this. He talks about the waterfalls. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. You ever get caught in a wave and thrown? He's, he's being tossed in the, in the billows. But the thing that God is doing with him, he's bringing him deep. And you need to go deep. Because our problems sometimes are deep. And sometimes those problems, again, have been forged over months and over years, and they're deeply rooted in us, and we need to go deep with God. You know, everybody today, right, everything is a quick fix. Everything, right? Fast food, <laughs> right? Burger King, McDonald's, right? Quick fix foods. Quick fix remedies. I'm, I'm, I'm very into fitness. If you came into my, my supplement uh, closet, you would get weary looking at all the things that I have found. But, you know, if, I, get, I get emails and texts from these different people, these different companies, and they're promising the pill. The pill that's going to make you into a superman or a superwoman. That, that one pill, right, that's, it's going to cure your hair loss. It will cure diabetes. It will cure blood sugar issues, right? It, it will cure 
impotence, I mean, uh, not, you know, impotence, not impotent, like you want to be important, right? Important, important. That's a joke. But they just going to prop, they're going to, it's going to cause all, it's going to basically solve all your problems and there's no magic pill. You know, it's, it's nutrition and it's exercise and it's sleep and it's a variety of things that you do that make you healthy. But every, everything is quick fix. And again, in the spiritual life, it, it, it's like that. I saw a, a church, basically they have drive-through communion on Sundays. And then they, they, another one, they have like the drive-through sermon. You, you pull up in your car, you get a quick sermon, 10-minute sermon, and then you leave. Make sure you put your tithes, though, in the, uh, you know, in the slot. But it's just quick, you know, it's, it's just quick fix Christianity. You know, quick fix sermons. You know, just quick fix worship. And there are no quick fixes. Jesus calls us to a deep life. You know, when he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, that's deep. That's deep. But you gotta, you got to go deep for these issues, for these problems to be solved. Third thing is, come into the light. In verse 3, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Right? Light, light is truth. And it exposes. It, it reveals it goes to the source, to the root of the problem. It's, 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 it's not shallow. The light penetrates deeply and really shows us the areas that, hey, this is where we need help. This is where we need to change. This is where we need to repent. And it's, again, it's, it, it's, not, it's not an easy fix. Right? Coming into the light is painful. Right? Say light exposes. When, when I was a kid, my, my dad had a dairy store up the, up the road here in Cresco. I worked in that store since I was a little kid. And um, it had fluorescent lights. And you know what happens to us, right? And I, I see kids don't get zits like we used to. I don't know why. But, man, I had zits. I had zits on my zits. And when I would be in that store in the fluorescent light, right, I mean, just, I mean it's just... It's, I look better in the dark, right? So then, then I, I graduated high school. I worked as a bouncer for a number of years. And I love the bar light. Right in the bar light, everybody looks good. You could be ugly and you look good in the bar light, right? Everybody looks good in bar light. And I'll tell you this story. This is a funny story. Sammy knows where I'm going with this. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm working one night... And I see this beautiful creature, long blonde hair, beautiful long blonde hair, and uh, leather top on, leather pants, leather boots. And I just wanted to check her out. I, look, I, I was dating Sue, never cheated on my wife uh, or my girlfriend Sue since uh, I was 18 years old. Right? And not that I did it then, but you know, since we started. And uh, so I wanted to just check. I just wanted to look, a peek. I wasn't a Christian, even if I was. And I just kind of walked over real softly. And I just wanted to take a look. Did she look as good from the front as she did from the back? And when I looked, I went, ah! 
Now, you may be sitting there, ladies, and thinking, man, this guy's a jerk, he's mean. I thought it was a girl, it was a dude. <laughs> a biker dude. A biker dude who, who apparently got in a lot of fights because like one eye was up here, one eye was down here, and his nose was over here. But that's what happens in the dark. And in the darkness, right, Jesus said in John 3, we hide. When you come into the light, things get exposed. But you need that light. It's, it's like a surgeon. When I had my, my hips done, the surgeon, he, he took x-rays. He did MRIs. He needed to look deeply in to, hey, you know what? I just, you know, I, I, I kept running as badly as I was running. I kept doing things, saying, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. He looked at me and he goes, your, your cartilage is gone in, in both hips in the front. It's gone. You just got bone on bone. Ain't coming back. But it, it took the x-rays and the MRI to be able to, to determine that and the other damage that was done. But again, that's, hey, that can be disheartening. Now I have to go through surgeries. Right? Could be discouraging. But you know what? It, it put me in a place where I knew what I needed and God bless the doctor. The surgeries went well. I'm running again. <laughs> that just brings me a tremendous amount of, uh, of joy. So just, I mean, you have to step into the light. And then the, the last thing is here, go to the altar. In, in verse 4 of chapter 43, okay, I'm going to go to Psalm 43 for a moment. He says, then I will go to the altar. In fact, you know, Psalm 42, 43 are so interlocked together, you could remove the number, and it almost, it, it reads like it's one psalm. But he says, then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. You know, throughout the scriptures, Old Testament, they made altars. Abraham made an altar. Right? Jacob made an altar. Noah made an altar. Well, we have an altar here in the church, and I'm not, I'm not, merely talking about come to this this altar when people come by faith humbly God has done wonderful things here delivered people um, healed people right saved people but you would all you all should have an altar I spend time at my altar if you came to my home and you went to look at my altar, you would say, it doesn't look like much of an altar. All it is is a, a chair right now outside with a little table. But I go there every morning with my Bible and with my journal. And I spend time with God. I commune with God. I talk to God. God speaks to my heart through his word. And, and I, work out, I work out the issues, believe it or not, that your pastor has in his life as you have in your lives. And I work through those things on the altar. But you need to have an altar. This is nice. This is, can be a very powerful experience coming to the altar here. But you need to have an altar that you can go through you know, every, every day. There, there, was a, there was a time when I was running, uh, I was running ATRA, the, the Fitness and Physical Therapy Center in Paramus. Um, it's been purchased by Kessler and then it was purchased by another company and they these mega mega mergers that are going on but when I was running that place I had an hour of lunch 
and I was studying at the time, uh, going through uh, seminary with Trinity, but I would go into the boiler room. It was this dirty place that I made clean. I cleaned up the floor, and um, I would go in there, put a little mat on the floor, right next to a big old, you know, one of those big old belly, you know, you know, um, you know, boilers, and um, and I would have my altar with God there every day, have lunch and just commune with Him. I just remember that being a, a powerful time. One of the most, one of the most maybe unesthetic places that I ever, you know, created an altar in. But there have been many altars. But you need to go to the altar, have time alone with God daily. My most powerful time of my day is what I call my power hour, which sometimes could be an hour or longer of just communing with God. And I, I, you, you work through these things with him. So let's just give you one, one quick keynote here. Again, David, why are you downcast? Why are you discouraged? Why are you depressed? Why are you frustrated or worried or fearful? And again, stop, and it's good to look at the body. It's good to look at your soul, your thought life. And, and it's good then to look at your spirit. You get alone with God. And I promise you this, just as it says in Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. You get with him, you commune with him, Right? Remember what you were doing, the first things. Go deep with him because deep calls unto deep. Step into his light and come to that altar. Right? Our heads are down at times. He will come. And he will lift up your head. Had a basketball coach in freshman year. Had a good freshman year. Went to the county finals. I missed a foul shot. We would have won them. I averaged 18 points a game. But at the beginning of the season, he said, when you miss a shot or you make a mistake, you put your head down and you run around, right, until you then make a shot. And he did this with me. He took my head and he said, you need to learn to keep your head up. Whether you're making the shot or missing the shot, whether you make a bad pass or a good pass, learn to keep your head up. That that coach, Marty Casper was his name. He lifted up my head. And that's what God will do. He will lift up your head and take you from being downcast to being uplifted. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are the lifter of our heads. At times, Lord God, this, this world can be, can be hard. It can hit us hard. It could blindside us. Lord God, and sometimes we do, we do get discouraged, we get frustrated, we get anxious, Lord God, we get worried, we get fearful. But Lord God, that, that altar is always before us with your light shining around it. 
your spirit calling us, Lord God, to go deep. Maybe take a little time to remember you and your great goodness. And there always, Lord God, you lift us up and you lift up our heads. I pray, Lord God, for anybody here today, they need to have their head lifted. Lord, let them come to this altar this morning. But Lord God, impress upon all of our hearts this word. Lord, let us not leave here forgetful of this because the time will come when we need to have our heads lifted. And may we truly, Lord God, come to you and experience that. For in Jesus' name, Lord God, we pray this. Amen. Hey, y'all stand with me and our worship team will lead us in a final song. I'd like to come. Yes, the altars are open. Thank you, Pastor Frank. <clears throat> what a great word from the word. Love those songs. As we close in song, please don't let another moment go by if you have not let the Lord into your heart. It's always calling you. Oh
God go with you all and bring you home safely. May you enjoy this beautiful day. It is his day. Give him thanks. Give him praise. God bless you all. Keep you all. Keep you all safe. In Jesus' name, amen.